Hello and welcome to Eve Drop and Get the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Harriet, which we've just seen. It's the uh, biopic of Harriet Tubman, who is, or was, I should say, a very well-known uh, slave-turned-abolitionist during the 1800s. Yes. Um, who is, is a, a figure who is constantly, in recent years at least, sort of touted as someone who should be on a, on a, a bill uh-huh. in America. You know, like, she's that kind of level of heroin. Yes. American currency has never had a black person on, nor a woman, I don't think. So... I think there's also there's, that's part of the um, reasoning behind wanting her on. Mm. But you know she is someone who deserves it, and this film primarily tells the story of her escape from slavery um, to Philadelphia, and then her becoming part of the Underground Railroad, mm. which was the network of safe houses and people. Yes, it's uh, not an actual railroad. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I, for some reason, I still. Still can't get the image out of my head of a genuine underground railroad. Yes. Never can. But it was a network of... Neither say, can real housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> it was a network of uh, people and, and safe houses, as I say, and kind of transportation links and that sort of thing mm. that, that helped free slaves, um, help them escape to the north mm. where they could take on new identities and become free. Mm. Um, and she, during her time with the Underground Railroad freed about 70 slaves mm. and then during the Civil War this is something the film covers right at the end in intertitles you don't really see this um, during the Civil War she led a, a huge expedition that freed something like 750 slaves in That's one right. go um, so, so the only female commander of an American army unit is one of the things that they say at the end yeah was it one or just one of very few I can't remember I think well, my memory be... says one. Yeah, maybe it was. So, a huge figure. Mm. And deserving of a biopic. And I think deserving of a better biopic than this. Yes. Which I found, to say the least, formulaic. Yes, I mean, kind of all kinds of ethical things are going on in my mind. Because, you know, to be honest, I kind of... I dreaded going to see it. Oh, really? I did. Because, you know... You know there's going to be horrible scenes of you know slavery and you know torture stuff I mean the kind of films about slavery are always tough to see mm. on the other hand I do feel there's an obligation to see them right it's kind of it's it's part of American history it's part of people's kind of lived experience I suppose even nowadays right so I think you know to respect kind of the historical fact of it I kind of you know you force yourself to see things like this um and sometimes they end up, you know, being, in my view, great works of art, like 12 Years a Slave. And sometimes you get stuff like this one. <laughs> I don't know why I had the impression that the reviews of this had been very good, because I just looked up the general gist and they're mixed. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I was really, really looking forward to it because I had it in my mind that people love this. Yes. Um, so maybe that's set an expectation that wasn't matched. Well, maybe people do. I mean, you know, maybe there's a segment of, mm. uh, you know, a black audience in the United States for whom this is very important. Um, you know, and I do remember kind of a time where there was almost an absence of representation and, you know, where this would have been of massive, you know, just social significance. Um, I also feel in a way bad about not liking it more 
because you can see how you know all of the cast and you know all of the filmmakers i mean kind of there is a level you can see there's a kind of an investment in this project really um i don't feel bad about not liking it more yeah. i think it should be better i mean yes. i would i would i would i would put it down to sort of holding the film to a higher standard the thing that bothered me most mm. about it all was actually the story that was being told you know that harriet has visions and premonitions and you know so th this is a, this is a film that's done by people who have faith and for whom faith is the great motivator now you know for someone outside of a religious schema of understanding like myself it's a problem you know because every time she kind of tumbles down and has a vision it becomes almost kind of laughable to me so um and then kind of you feel this discomfort because you don't want to laugh because it's disrespectful but on the other hand i think it's so stupid they you know they could have found a better way of kind of of telling the story because there's a difference between you know portraying people of faith and treating faith respectfully than actually having faith as you know the the, the plot mechanism through which harriet succeeds in freeing slaves yeah and i think that's a really important distinction i agree in part but i don't agree that um this is this comes across as a film made by people who have faith exactly you're told when she when she escapes and she meets the leslie odom jr character who is her kind of first contact on the underground railroad he takes her story and he writes it down and one thing that she talks about is this injury that she suffered when she was 13 her, her skull was fractured mm. and from then her visions she describes it as kind of opening her more to god to her conversations with god and what he writes down which i think is done as kind of a joke the way it's the way it's done is as a comic moment what he writes down is possible brain injury Yes, I didn't yeah, think it was a comic possible moment. Possible brain damage. Um. Because it's a kind of... It takes... Well, the reason I think it's comic is because it takes her um, her really invested belief and there's a bathos to it, you know? It kind of turns into maybe she's just got brain damage. But I think that idea of her brain damage and this injury that she had is central to the scenes of her visions. Because I think it does, it means that, she, you know, I don't think the film is suggesting that um, that God really exists and that is speaking to her. It suggests that she is having these visions because of this injury that she But has. actually what it shows you, because it's not even suggesting, it's showing you. It is showing you these visions, that she has these visions of what will happen. So, you know, kind of, it's not, the film is not distancing itself from that. No, I think it's kind of playing half and half, but I, th I think, I th for me, what came across is that she got lucky an awful lot. Well, you know, that's, I, just, I, I mean, had the film done anything like that, actually, I, I would have found it better because actually, I don't think the film does that. I think the film shows her at kind of various moments being overtaken by, you yeah. know, the spirit and having visions. And then those visions dictate her actions, really. And, and sometimes those visions reappear yeah, as yeah. something that is happening. So to me, it feels like a 1940s movie about the saints. Yeah, it's a film that is imbued with faith and, and you know, which I suppose, you know, it's okay. But actually, you know, to have the supernatural be a motor for the story like this, 
to me was a problem. I, I do agree, and maybe I should kind of clarify. Like, I did have real trouble with those scenes because, as you said, I mean, I, I joked to you at one point, oh, a spidey yeah, sense exactly. is tingling. <laughs> there is like a weird superhero thing going on. And so there's the scene in particular where she returns to Maryland, uh, where she escaped from, collects a number of members of her friends and family, and is leading them out. And we see separately that um, her masters and owners and all the white people are congregating on a bridge expecting mm. her to cross there and then she falls to her knees having a vision mm. and says no that, that's where they congregate we need to cross somewhere else and mm. so they do and and then the crossing the river has its own kind of uh, well she's called Moses mm. and, and it has a kind of crossing of the Red Sea thing where you, you really think the river should be deeper than this mm. and she manages to cross it just walking um, and so, so it, yeah it's like the film the film is I don't want to say it's trying to have its cake and eat it because I don't think it's doing that exactly, but it just has a very, very confused notion of what these visions are and exactly like whether whether they speak to kind of intuition or yeah, it's very, very confused and it doesn't make anything clear and I found it very uncomfortable to watch that stuff really because yes. uh, I didn't know what to make of it yes. and I didn't know what the film wanted me to make of it. Is the film suggesting that that? Uh, she she gained some uh, access to a, a kind of intuition. I, I, I just, I'm just left with questions about it. Anyway, it doesn't work. No. You know, because it's a deus ex machina type of thing where, you know, you have a problem and then you resolve it with a vision. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. kind of... Uh, and it was something, uh, incidentally, that I wanted uh, to look up just afterwards because I wanted to know how much of that was based... Oh. In truth, and what I looked up suggested that she did. You know, I mean, she, her injury was real, and she did have what she believed were premonitions. She was a very faithful woman who, who believed okay. God was speaking I to can... her. So it's kind of on the surface, it is faithful to the real woman. Yeah, but, but there's a difference between somebody believing they have visions and actually the film objectively showing you those visions as, as like a historical. Yeah, exactly. It's the way it's filmed and, and visually portrayed to us that is what's in question here. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know, I kind of, I thought it was a very pedestrian film with a very attractive cast. Though again, I thought all of the supporting players were wonderful, but, but I, I did think that the central character lacked complexity, as the film lacked complexity. You know, there would have been a way of suggesting other dangers and traps and, mm. you know, kind of, you know, what does a single woman in Philadelphia you know, who's just kind of escaped slavery, what kinds of things um, does she have to overcome or confront, you know, before she's settled enough, right? You know, so kind of you think, well, she must have, she must have been hungry, she must have been cold, you know, she must have, like, not known people, she must have been kind of sexual prey to some of the men there. Like, there's just so many things that you could have indicated with a look or, mm. yeah, that are just absent, really. In terms of feeling, I found it completely sterile. Uh. There were two moments when I actually felt something, and none of them is, for instance, during her escape, where no. I think it was completely devoid of tension yes. or kind of horror or anything like that. Um, the two moments I felt something were a real split second moment when she first meets the Leslie O'Donnell Jr. character and he's taking down her story and she says, uh, he says, who did you come with? And she said, I'm alone. Mm. And he doesn't believe her for a second. And then he, there's a look on his face and he talks about how impressed he is with 
the fact that she has made this hundred mile journey to freedom on her own. And I thought, wow, you know, I, I, I can, I got that, and I felt that. And then the other time I felt something was right at the end when the intertitles come up telling you Harriet Tubman's story after that, saying mm. she went on to free these slaves, she went on to fight in the Civil War, and she went on to die in the 1900s, which I didn't know, uh-huh. um, at the age of 91. And I thought, you know, and I said to you, good for her, and I meant it, mm. you know. And I felt something then because I thought, hey, what a woman. Yeah. Um, but that's, but that's it. And for a film that, especially a film that is using its score so oppressively to indicate feeling, I find it really disappointing. And actually, I think the score in particular uh, destroys every every scene it's in. Oh. Um, it's it's so keen to tell you that this is a moment of triumph or this is a moment of sadness or this is a moment of happiness mm. I, I I really loathed it and I commented you know, I said very few things during the film but I commented on that to you at one point because I had to I had to make sure you also were noticing how awful the score was yes um yeah it's almost I don't know I don't know what else to say I think about it's a this, cheap really. film I don't think I it's don't think it's cheap in sentiment I think it means everything it says and it wants and it's it's made with a real integrity of, of feeling behind it but I think it's badly made and uses cheap storytelling devices yes that I agree with um, and actually I thought also you know so for example it has, it has a very attractive cast but um, uh, what's his name Von D. Curtis Hall as the reverend yeah right I thought kind of you know from the face up he was fine but then with the rest of his body, I thought he was very <laughs> stiff. Right. Kind of, you know, unrelaxed, really. Anyway, but I'm grappling at straws. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, this is such a difficult film in a way because I do think it's badly made, actually. On the other hand, I do think it is communicating uh, uh, an important story uh, through a mechanism that is probably understood by its intended audience. Yeah, so if this is a film made for black people, you know, and it's kind of, you know, uh, made for black people of faith, maybe there's a different way into this film than the one kind of I'm approaching it from. Yeah, I mean, I suppose yeah. my my question is, you know, is it kind of communicating to its intended audience through these means that are not necessarily getting to us. And actually that I don't know, you know. It's not very well made. It's overly respectable. It is kind of burdened by by history in some ways. And also I kind of, I don't believe the way that it conceptualizes people, right? So the plot divides everything into kind of mechanisms. So there's the bagged black guy who's like a, a slave hunter. Right, and you know, there's the sister who doesn't want to be free because, yeah, and you know, and she gets to say that statement, don't judge us, right? So, all of these characters are kind of, I suppose, fulfilling kind of points, but they don't feel like people. I know what you mean, although I did believe the moment, I suppose, well, I believed up to a point the moment where the sister when Harriet comes back to try and rescue her and the sister works in the big house mm. and is really kind of embedded with the family and, and finds it difficult to leave. And she says, don't, you know, how, how dare you judge me? We do what we can to stay sane. Now that's a moment that is written to kind of indicate something to its audience. Yes. To, it's, a, it's a very... It's part of a message. You know, she, she, like, it, it, it's, it's not believable that she would express herself in that way. But the sentiment, I think, is plausible and believable. And so I kind of bought that moment. I bought as well, to some degree, the the conception of Harriet in terms of she doesn't, you know, it's not like she leaves and immediately goes into 
um, freeing slaves. You know, it's not like that's her kind of purpose. She she escapes because she can, and it's kind of opportunistic, and she leaves her entire family behind, including her husband, who is free. Yeah. Um, because she just has to get out of there that moment. You know, she manages to make her way to Philadelphia into the hands of the Underground Railroad, and it's a year later that she um, goes back to try and get her husband, right? And and her story, uh, her her quest is a personal one at this point. She's not going back for an ideological mission. She's going back because she can't live without her husband. Mm. And her ability to do that, although she, you, know, you find out that her husband, thinking that she's dead, has moved on. Anyway, her kind of ability to do that, I suppose, believably empowers her to think that she can do this for other people and get the rest of her family and friends back which is what leads to her multiple journeys down south to do that. I know, but I just found it all like so unconvincing, you know. Uh, I thought that was plausible, the journey from a personal to an ideological well, thing. Well, it being plausible and it being good. I mean, well, yeah, I know, you know, so, so the thing is, I mean, here is this black woman going into the south, right, to free slaves, and you never get, you never get a sense of tension or danger or smarts or, you know, she must have overcome, like, you know, thousands of, tra- of potential traps, right? I mean, that all could have been rendered in an exciting way, right? And also the character could have been conceptualized in a different way, you know, as somebody who was smarter, you know, than, you're, than is indicated, you know, and who was harder or more unpleasant, yeah, who maybe was, like, overly focused on something that, you know, I mean... I agree. Uh, there's... I agree, and I think the yeah. vi- I think the thing about the visions is central to that problem because she's not portrayed as someone overly smart. Although she's not dumb, but she's someone who is subject to these visions and obeys them kind of without question because yeah. she believes they're from God, and that is an uncomfortable sort of thing to be observing because you question you question how you want to. You, I suppose you want to believe that she was in charge of herself. And, and Well, she had to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't believe what she did, you know, going so many times, right, into, uh, you know, zones that were very, very dangerous. And in fact, with people looking for her and with a price on her head. Mm. I mean, imagine if somebody was doing a Western, right, with kind of, you know, a, a structurally similar narrative. It would have been exciting, suspenseful. It might have had funny moments. It's... Yeah, yeah, you know, you could have built a real heroine out of her by just humanizing her more and actually and making kind of the dangers more vivid. But the film is choose all of this, you know. Just yeah. get on your knees and have a vision and you shall be free. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's dumb. Um, it is dumb. It is dumb. And, and that, that is my central thing. I think she is a person who is deserving of a better story than this, better yeah. film than this. Yes. Um, so, because it seems to be on paper, this is pretty much what happened. But on paper isn't enough. It's yeah. it's in the evocation of feeling and tone, that sort of thing, and that's all very, very blank, very, very still. I don't like the way it's filmed. Mm. You know, it's filmed with a with a, a kind of on the hoof handheld aesthetic a lot of the time that vaguely puts you in place, but you don't feel this, that there are very few shots that feel. Um, evocative of a feeling or mm. beauty or horror or anything that it might you know the filmmaking fails to evoke feeling and that is central to my problem with it I suppose yes though I think it would be curious to say does it fail to evoke feeling with us <laughs> yeah <laughs> or yeah. does it fail to evoke feeling in general so but actually whether it evokes feeling you know 
uh, amongst black audiences, I still think it's a poorly made film. Yeah. So, I also just quickly thought there was an interesting class thing, which reminded me of Twelve Years a Slave. In fact, because one of the interesting kind of kind of smaller points, I suppose, about Twelve Years a Slave or, or details about that film was that the um, uh, central character uh, Solomon Northrup was a free man. He was kidnapped into slavery, and there was something about his character that was a snob in a way mm. towards the other slaves he was with that he felt he was better than them yeah. and there's a, there's a class thing very lightly going on here when Harriet gets to Philadelphia no there should have been more <laughs> of that but there wasn't yeah right because you would imagine that there would be all of these class differences you know, and categorical different, and people treating each other differently, and so on, because one is a free person, one was born a free person in Philadelphia, and the other is an escaped slave from the South. That would instantly kind of, you know, one's own, one owns property, the other one is working as a maid. You would in, you would normally expect there to be just like clashes or differences or snubs or mm. or something to overcome so that they could be friends. No, the film ignores all of that. The Janelle Monet character you're referring to there, who owns the uh, business, yeah, instantly that, welcoming, instantly you know, admiring yeah. instantly friends, in fact, dies for her, right? I mean, it's kind of... Yeah. The, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, actually. I think we should just... Well, I, did, I, I wanted to say something slightly different. I didn't just want to... Oh. I, I kind of... I, I wanted to slightly try and think about it, just in that... Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was an interesting moment when, when you're introduced to Janelle Monáe's character and she describes being born free and owning a business and all this, and it very clearly points out strong uh, differences between the two of them, her and Harriet, and she apologizes for being free. You know, she she's there's like a like a weird kind of survivor's guilt thing where um, uh, Harriet says something to her about not not having those experiences, not having not having that fear. Yes. And she apologizes for not having that fear, which is a weird thing. And then in that speech, she gives uh, Harriet gives to the the kind of higher ups, I suppose, of the Underground Railroad towards the end. Um, which is supposed to be very rousing, and I didn't didn't think it really worked. But she she kind of chides some of them, including those who had formerly been slaves, for not being forceful enough in their drive to free slaves, and saying even those of you who had been slaves have forgotten what it was like. I mean, you know, I kind of this is where I think, like, I just. I just don't buy anything the film has to say mm. because you know if you were a black woman in Philadelphia in 1850, you know, in the 1850s, to think that you wouldn't have had to put up with racial oppression or indignities or, you know, but yeah, that you wouldn't understand anything of any of that. It's just absurd. So, you know, I actually don't mind that uh, the Harriet Tubman character brought it up, but you could have made it more interesting by making it more complex. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. um, And I think you're right about that that she dies for her and... Yeah, um, it's a bit easy, I suppose, in storytelling terms. I mean, I, I don't know how... And also contradictory, I'm... because basically, you know, her dying gives a lie to all that Harriet had said, you know, of her before. You know. She dies, you know, partly because she's a black woman. Yeah. You know, I mean, those two guys wouldn't have treated a white woman, no. you know, the same way. So, in fact, at the end, even her property and so on couldn't protect her. So, you know, anyway... Yeah. Yeah, I um, I, I didn't think it was very good. 
And but I, I but, but I think it probably is one of those films where it's good to remind yourself of as you've been doing that other people may look at this differently. Yes, I'm sure they will. And you know, it's kind of it's a film on an important subject made by a black woman. Very significant. A black woman who in fact kind of made Eve's Bayou, you know, one of the key films I think of the nineties really, in terms of representation. So I don't want to be dismissive. Right. Um, on the other hand, I feel there's very little I can say in support of it that would be honestly um, thought or felt by me, <laughs> which is why, yeah. you know, I think we should just end because it is, does feel like, yeah. you know, beating a, a dead horse. Casey Lemons is the director, we should yes. make, you know, name, that, um, that she is the creative force behind it. I think she wrote and directed. Yes. Um, so, yeah. so she takes all the blame. <laughs> I suppose so. Thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube uh, and Spotify to listen to us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and our website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much.